All right. What is up, YouTube guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Unplugged Out podcast. This is episode 100. 100 shows, man. Uh, hat tip to Rich Cooper, man. 100 shows. Uh, if you guys don't know, this podcast has been running for a long time. It's always been at the Monday at eight o'clock slot, at least as long as I've, I've known this stuff and, and been following him. Uh, he did a show called Before the Trainwreck, where he partnered with a guy called Sean T. Smith, who wrote uh, a pretty good book, The Tactical Guide to Women. If you guys haven't checked that out, definitely definitely make a, a point to pick that up or at least download the Audible, uh, but not before picking up the Unplugged Alpha, obviously. Um yeah, so again, quick uh, quick note for you guys. This is my third week hosting the show in place for Rich as he's out in Europe on vacation. He will be back starting next week. So he, uh, I think he's wrapping up his time overseas, and then uh, he'll be back in Toronto in a uh, in a few days. So. But yeah, man, 100 episodes. This is cool. I, I shot him a text and I was like, hey, like it's 100 shows. Do you want to do something special? And he was like, nah, go for it. So um, congrats, Rich, on, on 100 episodes of TUA and uh, previous 100 plus episodes on Before the Train Wreck. So cool, man. So um, got something interesting for you guys tonight, as you can tell by the title. Um, actually, before we get into it, let's let's do a couple more housekeeping items. Like I said, Rich will be back next week. As far as I know now, barring any changes, so if you're not subscribed, get subscribed. And because uh, sometimes we'll communicate via the community notes uh, on the homepage of the channel. And if you're not subscribed, you don't really see those or anything like that. So make sure you subscribe to this channel. Become a channel member, man, really. Like you guys really should become channel members. Support the channel. Uh, there's not a guarantee that this chat will be open forever. So enjoy it while you can. But if you want to, be able to chat in the future, probably a good idea to become a channel member. Uh, I don't know what it costs per month. I want to say probably like five bucks. So swap out one of your sissy Starbucks coffee, multi mocha latte, sugary nonsense for, for a subscription to the channel. It'd be cool. Um, so he'll be back next week. He'll be back hosting. As far as time slots go, it looks like he's going to be starting the show an hour earlier. Um, for the foreseeable future, starting at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Still go for about 90 minutes. We'll take about a 15-minute break, and then we're going to essentially relaunch. Um, it's like our hard launch. We did a soft launch a couple of weeks ago. We did a ladies' night podcast. Uh, that'll be episode 97. If you guys haven't caught that, go check that out or go find some clips on the Rich Cooper Clips channel just to kind of see what it's about. And we're going to start doing that every week for the next foreseeable future. So... That'll start at around 8.45. It'll go for probably another hour and a half, two hours tops, just depending on how well the conversation is going. So it's still going to be on this channel. We're not going to make a new channel for it or anything like that. So make sure you subscribe here. And if there's questions, you can always hit me up on Instagram. Uh, guys have been pinging me, asking how they get on the show in general. It's the same show every single week. Next week, it'll change. It'll be 7 o'clock right here on the Unplugged Alpha channel, we put the call-in link. I'm actually going to post the call-in link here now because I've been doing not a great job of spamming that over the last couple of weeks. Um, but I'll, I'll spam that every now now and then. Um, same format. We're going to do some stuff tonight. We're going to do some content. And we're going to get to call it. So 
let's uh let's dive in man so you guys can see by the title <laughs> it's not a joke it's not an exaggeration this is something that i saw on a social media platform the other day i'm not going to say which one but um i thought this was really interesting so guys that are coming to the show tonight that are looking for a lot of red meat are looking for me to dunk on this woman make her look stupid call her dumb names stuff like that if that's what you're here for, then just change the channel. Um, tonight, we're all about bringing the facts. Tonight, we're all about, we're, we're going to be kind of expanding on some of the concepts I spoke about last week after I watched that godforsaken Barbie movie, just about the theme of feminism and, and how I ultimately think it's, it's detrimental to uh, humans as a whole. And uh, we'll kind of talk about how this relates and, and how what I saw on this social media platform um, kind of feeds into that. So not here about red meat, not here to argue with people about the way I'm in and stuff like that. This is all about facts. There's not going to be any feelings thrown in the chat tonight. So without further ado, let's, let's get into it, man. So the first thing I want to do is I'm going to read you guys the actual post, and then we're going to go through a couple of things. And there's gonna be some screen sharing. I got a lot of tabs open tonight because again, like so many people, that hear about the way that we talk sometimes. And when I say we, I talk about the guys that are unplugged. I don't, I don't tend to use, I don't like to use the term red pill much anymore because it's become so bastardized and it's just run into the ground and everybody's lost sight of the original meaning of the red pill. So I don't really like to use it anymore. I've said that recently that um, the red pill going mainstream is both the best and the worst thing that's ever happened to it. So we'll get into that another time, but I don't need, you guys don't need to hear me rail about the manosphere. We do that enough. So let's, let's get into this, man. I'm going to read it. I'm not going to share the screen and then I'm going to share the screen after and, and dive into some of this stuff. So again, this is, this is what I heard or what I read um, the other day. So here we go. She starts off. I don't want to have kids until I'm 55. Is that crazy? Let's rewind. I'm currently 33 and in the prime of my life and career. I'm simply not interested in having children in this season of my life. Men have always had reproductive freedom when it comes to their careers and life timelines, and now women finally have that same option. We can freeze our eggs, hire a surrogate, baby on demand. Now you may be thinking, okay, not everyone can afford to freeze their eggs, go through IVF, hire a surrogate, etc. While true, having a child will cost you more than all of the above. As women, if we're able to spend our highest earning years actually earning and not parenting, we have the opportunity to make far more money than if we had kids when our biological clocks demanded it. The more we lean into this potential reality, potential reality, I love that, the more it will be accepted. My wild prediction is that in 30 years, working women will be waiting to have kids until they're 40 plus, due to technological advances and a rise in life expectancy. That's why I want to create a group for ambitious women who don't want to start having kids until their 40s or 50s. Hashtag, hashtag boss babes. I added that. That's not what she wrote. <laughs> Is anyone here with me? It's okay if you're not, but if you are, let's create a community and an environment that normalizes alternative reproductive choices. What should we name our group? I'm wide open to suggestions. Guys, put your best names for this group. In the, in the comments, the best uh, comment I'll put up on the screen. If you want to have kids later to focus on your career, you shouldn't feel alone. I'm ready to spearhead normalizing this now and giving like-minded women a place to feel inspired and safe. Want to join the group? 
like this post and leave a comment. Somebody from my team will reach out to you. Is this idea crazy or just what some of us women, women need? Ooh, my goodness, man. That's great. Shout out to kids are really quick. Cool. Unimob, how are you and everyone else doing today? I hope everyone is doing well and how's being hosting up your job. It's great, man. Never thought I'd be here. Never thought that I would be giving the keys to the castle or the keys to the Porsche, so to speak. But uh, yeah, shout out to Rich Cooper for, for allowing me to do this and, and trusting me with his uh, his channel, man. So so let's let's start to break this down, man. Because with this, what this woman does is she makes a lot of assumptions. A lot of assumptions. So let's let's start from the top. These are the kind of ones that I've I have written down because she talks about all these alternative methods and she's sort of really nonchalantly sort of blowing them off. She's just saying, hey, we have IVF, we've got surrogacy, we have the ability to freeze our eggs and wait till later. And you're gonna make so much money by waiting. You're gonna make so much money between the ages of 33 and 55 that you're basically just going to be able to retire and be a full-time mother. Uh, and I've seen some of the comments on this post and it's pretty clear that, I don't know if it's clear. It's, there's definitely a baiting aspect to this post because there's probably two or three dozen comments and she hasn't interacted with any of them. And most of them, as you can probably imagine, Women that are saying, oh, yeah, where do I sign up? Like, we need to normalize this. This isn't weird. This is completely normal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are a few detractors. There's some people out there that are like, yeah, I mean, ha have fun chasing around, you know, a six-year-old when you're in your 60s. Um, or, you know, you're going to deny your kids a chance to meet their grandparents, but at least you'll have money. So there's been some very few reactions to this. But she's not taking the time to interact. She's not taking the time to, to make an argument. Um, and, so, and this isn't about telling one woman why her choices are wrong. I've always been a firm believer, and I remain, I remain steadfastly uh, a believer that women are, can, and should be free to make their own choices. The problem that I still see every day is that the, no one's telling women they have to make a choice. Most people are telling women, you can have it all. You don't have to be discriminatory in your choices. You can chase the degree, you can chase the career, and you can have kids, you can do it in any order that you want. You can go run and party through your entire 20s and rack up a notch count of 150 plus, and you're just as, you know, you're going to be just as chased and sought after. You're, you're, you can wreck yourself with drugs and alcohol and just put your body through the ringer and you're still going to be fine. Um, you can go and have a bunch of meaningless, fruitless sexual encounters that aren't going to affect you biologically at all, which if you guys know, I mean, if we know anything about uh, brain chemistry and, and the way that it affects people, especially women after sex, it's not true. And the result is you've got, millions of women waking up every day that believed in the lies that now want to turn and pivot their lives or that want to start having kids. And because of a lot of the complications that we're going to talk about tonight are not able to do so. And they feel duped and they feel challenged and, and they feel like they were told something wrong. And oftentimes it, it's, it's, I would say 
it's very rarely men that are that are saying these things. It's almost always women that are saying, you go girl, you go do the thing, you go get yours, you go be independent. And it's rather sinister in my, in my opinion to be outright lying to somebody about their choices. And we can get into the reasons why. We don't have to rehash this. We've, we've talked about this before. Um, but everybody always wants to point fingers to men. We will say the society we live in and society tells us because so many people are convinced that we live in some male-dominated patriarchy, whereas in reality, we live in a gynocentric social order where women are the protected sex and men are the disposable sex. So it's very easy if you buy into the, the nonsense that is the patriarchy, that society equals men. And it's really not the case, especially when you talk about the way who, who you know, controls the spending who's typically making the financial decisions in the household, et cetera. So we'll get into all that. Um, so let's, let's start from the top, man. So like assumption, assumption number one, IVF. So you guys aren't aware what IVF is. Uh, I don't even know if I know how to say it. Uh, IVF is essentially where it's, it's test tube babies. You take eggs and, you essentially put them in some sort of incubator and then you artificially uh, fertilize those eggs with, with sperm. Uh, it takes place outside of the body. And so it's very common and it's very, it's become more common. Up until 2012, it was known as more of a uh, experimental procedure, but it's kind of passed or people lobbied hard enough for it to become sort of a mainstay. Um, I think it's the amount of IVF or maybe it's the amount of egg freezing has increased. I think it was somewhere from like 2000 women in 2009 <clears throat> to like 16,000 plus in 2016. It's only gone up since then. Uh, drastically upward trend. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Not IDF. IVF, not IDF. My goodness, man. Maybe I'm not enunciating well. So let's kind of take a look at that. Let's start doing some screen shares. Let's, well, first let's do this. Let's take a look at pregnancy complications by age as a whole. We don't even have to go into, um, we don't even have to go into particular other complications yet. So let's just start pregnancy complications for women that are 35 and older. And, my, and let me remind you guys, this woman says she wants to get pregnant at 55. Now, one of the things she conveniently left out and we'll use this as an assumption is that she's going to be single. She, had, she didn't mention anywhere in the post about having a man, having a husband, having a boyfriend. Uh, I'm assuming this is going to be a strong, independent woman boss babe who's going to be single. And that's that's the whole thing. So these are all, as you can look at diabetes, high blood pressure, uh, preeclampsia, high cholesterol. I mean, there's so many, just, just generally as we get older, our bodies start breaking down. We have a hard time you know, keeping the weight off. We have a harder time staying healthy just because we're getting older. Our immune system starts to break down. So there's all of these sort of conditions that become far more likely the older we get. 35 and old. This is just 35 and old. And obviously there's a ton of side effects, premature birth, low birth weight, being pregnant with multiples. We'll get to that more and more birth defects, Down syndrome, miscarriages, stillbirths, all far, far more common after age 35. And the next thing we'll go into is, let's go 
pregnancy in your 40s, right? I mean, it's hilarious that if you're pregnant after 35, now you're in advanced maternal age. So there's, there's already a word for being pregnant 35 plus. Now, there's people that are saying it's possible to get pregnant and deliver a healthy baby in your 40s. Again, I agree with that. There's, I've never said you can't. And here's an interesting little stat that since the 1990s, birth rates, the birth rates in people age 40 to 44 have gone up. Now, I don't see that as a miracle in modern science. I see this more as women are just waiting later and later to get pregnant. People aren't getting pregnant in their 20s. They're getting far, they're getting pregnant far less in their 30s. So this is just a, a symptom of women just waiting longer. But here's, here's the big thing. By age 40, even if you're healthy, you still only have a 5% chance of getting pregnant per menstrual cycle. So five, so and, and just so you guys know, so when you're in your 20s and 30s, that number is close to 25% to 30%. So you go from having a one in four to nearly a one in three chance to a one and 20 chance, okay? Now let's go to 50s. So, well, it's not impossible to become pregnant naturally at 50. It is very rare. Women are born with all the eggs they will ever have. As you get older, you have fewer eggs and they're more likely to have abnormalities. Most women who get pregnant after 50 use donor eggs. You're not even using your own eggs at this point after 50. Okay? It's going down the line. So IVF, there we go, in vitro fertilization. Now let's start to talk about the cost of things. So she, she makes all these assumptions about the cost. So the average IVF cycle is going to be, you know, average around $12,000. So if you guys are keeping track at home, go ahead and do that because we're going to start running some numbers here at the end. Okay, let's, let's go into next. Let's, let's talk about the risks of IVF. So let's just say she's going to go through with IVF. Multiple births, premature delivery and low birth weight, ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. So this is, it's a result of a ton of fertility drugs like HCG to induce ovulation, which can become problematic. Miscarriage, it goes about 15 to 25%, but it also increases as you get older. I mean, there's birth defects. I mean, there's a ton of these side effects. And the problem I have is that to just casually toss it out to say, oh, you can freeze your eggs, you can do IVF. I mean, it's almost irresponsible in a way uh, because she really just chalks it up to the money thing. That's really the issue. She doesn't talk about any of the risks. She doesn't talk about any of the things that can be ultimately destructive to a woman's body or the child. And we can talk about, you know, let's go back to 50s, right? Women over 50 are generally not considered candidates for IVF. I mean, it's, it's just right here. I mean, it's black and white. It's simple. So IVF seems to be something that is a technically viable option, but at that age becomes nearly impossible. Okay. So now we're going to talk about really quickly into freezing our eggs, right? So 21% of cycles among patients using their frozen eggs ultimately ended in live births. There's other means that have measured this that are saying a different metric that odds top around 11%. Now, there's some others that are using different models. There's even a calculator to determine this. But let's look at this. The calculator predicts that a 35-year-old freezes 10 mature eggs has a 70 or 69% chance of at least one birth. At age 36, it drops to 60. By 40, it cuts it in, in half down to 30%. So we're already seeing a ton of complications from the ages of 35 to early 40s. 
much less mid-50s. Now, let's talk about what this costs for you guys studying at home. Again, one cycle of egg freezing. Now, they do it all at once. A lot of, there's a big misconception that freezing eggs means you have to, like a woman goes to a clinic every month and drops one egg during her cycle. But there's things that they, there's a whole procedure. And, and I mean, just like with anything, it's like, it's like a numbers game. The more eggs that you freeze and the younger you do it, the higher success. So, I mean, it's still a possibility, but we're not, about, we're not talking about the possibility. We're talking about we're living in the world of probabilities, right? So even here, you're looking at over $10,000 of the cost just to freeze some eggs, and that's not a guarantee. And then we can talk about surrogacy. I know I've got a lot of tabs tonight, guys. I'm getting through them, I promise. But the average cost of U.S. surrogacy is around hundred grand. If you want to go and do some backdoor stuff and you want to find somebody on the street that'll take $15,000, go for it. Um, now, if you work with an agency or something really high end, they could be cost to close, close to $250,000. Very, very high end, right? I mean, you talk about like the Kardashians and things like that or the people that are using that. And speaking of the Kardashians, not only is it something where you run a high risk of not being able to freeze eggs or still not to be successful the older that you wait. But you're also not taking into account the life of the surrogate woman. So we all know the female body experiences numerous changes when pregnant, both physical and mental. Thanks or no thanks to the hormones that bring about the miracle of life. Like any mother, surrogate moms bond with a child in their wombs and often experience emotional pain when detached their child from birth, even if they knew and intended all along to give the child to the intended parents. It can lead to issues. We know that mothers connect with their babies in the womb. Who knows that they're, who, who's to say they're not going to come running after you after the fact? Not to mention, a lot of these surrogates are really messed up, man. right? So adding to the physical and emotional stress, surrogate moms sometimes also experience exploitation at the hands of the agencies facilitating the transfer or by the intended parents. Some former surrogates say they've been left with a hefty financial burden due to parents who do not pay medical payments in full or agencies that do not defend them when a conflict arises. So as long as you're willing to pay all this money, $100,000, potentially wrecking the life or the emotional state of another person, cool, surrogacy, surrogacy is, is A-okay. Now let's get to the final assumption because this is the biggest one that she makes. The biggest assumption that she's making is that she's going to be making so much money from the ages of 33 to 55 that she is just going to be able to afford the surrogacy. She's going to be able to afford all of these not so easily done and not so highly likely or high probabilities situations and procedures. But let's take a look at the poverty rates. So we talk about the money. Poverty rate for all women ages 65 and older. Couldn't find stats for like 47 to 55. It's 10.6%, but if, as a single woman, living alone, which we're going to assume for the sake of this argument that she will be, it's closer to 20%. So the idea that she's going to make all this money and that she's going to be able to keep it and put it away and that she's going to have, she, she's going to be the four out of five that are not below the poverty rate. And essentially like the poverty threshold guys is, is it's $11,000, 11,500. You see right here in this table down here, but even if she's above the poverty line, I mean, that doesn't mean that she she's $12,000 a year. She's over the poverty line. This is only making, this is only accounting for women that are below the poverty threshold. 
So I mean, 20,000, 40,000, 50,000. I mean, we'd have to continue to look at the numbers, but there's at least a one in five chance that she's going to be below the poverty line at age 65. And then finally, let's look at this. Let's look at females in their role or women in their role in, in the economy. We now drive the world economy. And the only thing that I'm, I'm pointing out here is that now this was back in 2009. Um, it's, dramat- it's dramatically gone up since then. But just the, the one thing I want to highlight here is that they control about $20 trillion in annual spending, but they only earn $13 trillion. So they are spending more than they're making. They own two-thirds of the student loan debt. They tend to have more credit cards. I mean, Rich can talk about his experience in the debt business when it comes to dealing with men versus dealing with women all day long. But this kind of paints this entire picture, right? This paints the entire picture that essentially all of the odds are stacked against this idea that this woman is going to have kids when she's 55. She is betting the farm. She's betting her entire livelihood. She's betting on herself, which in a way I respect. I love when people bet on themselves. But the misinformation and the complete disregard of any acknowledgement of any risk or the, the actual amount and vastness of those risks by just saying, I'll just do it when I'm 55. And it'll be fine because I'm going to make a bunch of money. And in 30 years, we'll have such medical advancements. I'm pretty sure the average lifespan is start is declined for the first time in a really long time. Uh, it, it had increased steadily over the last few decades. And I think up to a very recent point, I might be wrong on this, but I think up to very recently, it was increasing. And now the average lifespan has actually gone down. So, and this is a rise of increasing obesity rates, increasing sedentary rates, our diets, nobody knows, nobody knowing what's in their food that they're eating. Everybody's a fat, lazy, slob POS. So to sit here and say that we're going to make these advancements, especially who, why would big pharma or anybody else in that space have any incentive to expand the the life expectancy of of humans i mean i guess that's their whole mo if like the longer they live the more they can keep them on drugs or they can feed them their their pharma but they don't want to cure people they just want to keep them sick so they don't want you to get better they want you to remain sick for as long as possible so you keep buying their medications so she's taking all of these assumptions and she's taking the biggest assumption of all which nobody's really talking about but we'll talk about it the insurance tables are still going up. All right. I, I'd have to check that out. I don't know. I, I, I thought life expectancy was going down. But anyway. Now, this is an assumption. This, this is something that we can talk about. We really don't have to. Because, again, at no point does she talk about um, having a husband or starting a family. It's just having children. There's no mention of a man anywhere in that entire long soliloquy. Um, 33 in the prime of her life and career. I had a nice chuckle over that one. So the whole reason I'm bringing this up is to illustrate the fact that there are plenty, thousands, maybe millions of women out that live in just this fantasy universe where 
They can do what they want. They can make their money, live their career. Their bodies will never wither. They'll never develop any diseases. They'll never put on any weight. They will just continue to make money and they'll make good choices and nothing bad will ever happen to them. And they'll align their lives in such a perfect, right down the fairway way. And then they'll just be able to start having kids at, at 55. And it's a huge risk. It's something that the odds are not in your favor. And it all stems from the idea that nobody ever tells women they have to make choices. So it's a girl I saw on social media. I'm not going to give out any names or anything like that, but it's just a woman I saw on social media. And look, she's not bad looking. She's not unattractive. She looks slender. I mean, she looks good for her age. I mean, this is not some, you know, wildebeest that's 400 pounds that, you know, this is, this is a general, this is a conventionally attractive woman, I'll say. And so I had a buddy that texted me because I told him I was going to be talking about this. Or I told, I had a conversation with a couple of guys in the community. I was like, this is what I'm going to be talking about on Monday night. And he got texting me on the side and he was like, um, he's like, listen, man, like, why do you care? Why do you care about this stuff? Is it because this means there are fewer women, women in the pool for men to date? I'm like, for me personally, I don't care about women being in the pool. I'm not in a dating pool. It's not something that I'm doing. I'm in an LTR. I'm, I'm, it's not for me. Um, but I'll say it I'll say it again and quote all you want. Women are better together than they are apart. So the more people that are getting together and they are having stable, healthy families and having children and they're raising those children the right way, that's going to contribute to the overall positivity and, and the moving forward of our society. I think that's a a good thing. I don't think there's a problem with that at all. And the other one is that there's kids that are learning this stuff every day. It's children. I, if, if I want to have a daughter one day, which I do, this sentiment that she's going to be sold from the beginning of don't even think about kids until 50 years from now or buy into this, this nonsensical notion of you never have to pick and choose. You never have to assert your priorities. You never have to figure out exactly what you want and then go for it. And what, a, what an amazing fantasy world to live in that no matter what you do or what you say, you just get to have everything you want. And that's not the reality that the vast majority of people face. And so we're trying to encourage people to live in reality. That's really what the red pill is like. Or what it's about. We're trying to get people to unplug from comfortable lies that they've been sold and recognize and accept the cold, hard truth. You can't have it all. You have to make choices. You have to be discriminatory in those choices. And by picking one thing, you're ultimately casting aside something else. And nobody ever said it was going to be easy. And nobody ever said it was going to be fun. But that's what you ultimately have to do in this life, regardless if you're a man or a woman. And men and women live different experiences. They kind of live inverse experiences in a way. Life for women generally, extremely easy when they're young and gets much harder as they age. And for men, life generally much harder when they're young and generally gets easier as they age, as long as they're doing the right things, putting in the work, learning how to be a good man, learning to put skills together, learning how to do everything that's going to make them a good man and make them good at being a man. Let's see. There we go. 
So that's kind of my spiel, man. I mean, I know we're right about 8.30. We're going to take some calls. Um, let me put the link in the chat one more time here before we run the ad reel. I'm trying to think if I'm missing anything. I mean, look, I will say that the last thing that I brought up, I didn't share this slide, but as of 2022, the average cost of raising a kid from birth through 18 is about $288,000. So I do think the point that she has is that, yeah, kids are expensive and the IVF and the freezing of the eggs and the hiring a surrogacy or surrogate, even if you exhaust all of those methods, there's a chance that you come out, you know, in, in the black when it comes to that. And it's a better financial deal, but it's to say you want to create a community, to say you want to grab a group of people and have this spread. And, and it's so interesting to me. Like I almost wish it happens. I kind of wish this would happen. I, I kind of wish that this group would succeed or they do have a bunch of people that, because then I think they're going to be able to be faced with the reality. This whole dream world fantasy land that they're thinking about and that they're going to live in where it's just like, Oh my God, I've got this amazing support system and we're just going to make a bunch of money. And then, you know, I'm not going to worry about kids for the next 22 years and then I'll worry about it. You know, it's just at its core. It's to me, it's, it's immaturity. It's, being unwilling to face the reality that you have to make choices in life and you can't have every single thing that you want. But there's a lot of women that grow up in households where they're given everything, where they're princesses. We have this thing called the princess treatment become kind of like a meme now. I don't think that stems from households, but there's a lot of guys out there raising daughters that are giving them every single thing and never tell them no. My car is broken down on the side of the road. Come fix it. I need help hanging this. Come fix it. My power's out. Um, fix it. And, and because we live in a world where there's a lack of strong, virtuous men in this generation, a lot of these women are having to turn to their fathers that have always been there for them to do that because she's realizing she's got a loser beta husband that can't fix a freaking like, can't, can't screw a light bulb. And so why would she ever have to make choices? Why would she ever have to decide between this or that? So we live in a world where you've got to make choices. We live in a world where there are consequences of those actions and consequences of those choices. And all I'm doing here is presenting the facts and stating the, stating the honest truth. This isn't a bash. This is not me dunking on a woman saying, huh, good luck getting pregnant at 55. No guy's going to want you because you're 55 and you're going to be past the wall. That's what dumb, dork, red pill losers talk about. Those guys are dumb dumbs. That's not what we're here to do. It's like, hey, if this is what you want to do, cool. Let's lay down facts and let's lay down what it's going to mean if you want to choose this route and then maybe decide if this is right for you. So that's my spiel on that, man. Listen, if you guys want to get in the, ask a question, chop it up. There's a StreamYard link. I'll bring it up here in a second. In the meantime, we're going to do a little ad reel. This episode is brought to you by the Unplugged Alpha Supplements and Grondike Soap Company. Brothers, if you're like me and you take what you put in your body seriously, you'll want to use the Unplugged Alpha Supplements. An obsession with absorption is what sets this line apart from the others. You want to make sure that you absorb as much of the supplements as possible so you don't end up peeing out expensive urine. My supplement line is made in the United States from the highest quality domestic ingredients. And unlike cheaper supplements from China and plastic bottles, Mine ship in dark glass bottles to keep your supplements fresher 
longer and won't seep endocrine disrupting plastics into your supplements. Nothing is a hard tablet. Everything is in an easily digestible bioavailable capsule. You can filter all products by various categories, including testosterone support, estrogen metabolism, fat burning, immune health, sleep support, and performance. Visit theunpluggedalpha.com forward slash shop and use the subscribe and save option to get 10% off your supplement orders or use coupon code alpha10 for 10% off a one-time order to try it out. And I use Tactical Soap and God of War beard oil every day. Tactical Soap is a handmade product made in the United States from ingredients you can actually pronounce, not conventional endocrine lowering toiletry chemicals. Both the soap and the beard oils are infused with bioidentical pheromones that are designed by a clinical psychologist and pheromone expert to maximize attractiveness to the opposite sex. Go visit coopersoap.com and get 10% off your order today. Guys, check out my website at richcooper.ca for more information on booking me for coaching, my community, my courses, and a whole bunch more. You can also find all the useful links pinned below in the top YouTube comment of all my videos. Now let's get on with the show. Let's get on with the show. Just catching up with some comments here. Like I said, guys, I posted the link in the comments a couple times. You want to call and ask a question. You just want to chop it up on something. Um, let's see. I see Desiree's in the chat. I'll see what Desiree said. Saving the control out of God's hands and putting in the hands of a woman. And we see how well things go. Hey, she said it, not me. Desiree uh, has, has volunteered to come on to our Ladies Night podcast next week. So I'm um, looking forward to having her and uh, a couple of others. I've had a few callers lined up over the last couple of weeks. So it should be fun, man. I think we're going to have a good time. But um, it'll be solid. But, but yeah, man, listen, it's just stuff like that's disheartening. I, it, there's too many guys that are willing to dunk on and just say, oh, my gosh, she's going to be post-wall and she's never going to find a man. And what a lot of you guys don't understand is, like, most of these women are going to be okay. Um, they – most women are going to be saved by somebody at some point. I mean, hell, man, like, I know a guy personally who almost wrecked his entire life because he couldn't get rid of some – 50 plus broad that berated him and called him a POS all the time. And his only excuse and his only justification was best sex I've ever had. And I mean, the stuff that she was telling this guy and, and the things that she was bringing up to him was some of the most like diabolical stuff like I've ever heard, man. And the fact that this guy would sit here and just take this, these mountains of abuse and just these insane this insane behavior all to get laid. I mean, again, man, like, and this was a guy that I would consider unplugged. This is a guy that, you know, went through it and, and a guy that uh, understood, you know, female and male nature. And granted, he was a little bit of an older guy. And look, the later in life that you unplug, like generally the harder it's going to be for you um, because it's, you know, decades sometimes of conditioning versus, a couple of years, but at the same time, somebody asked me one time, I said, well, what do you think is the best age for a guy to become red pilled or, or to unplug? And I don't know exactly what the, if there's a perfect age, I do know that there's risks at both extremes of the spectrum. For example, you know, when you're in your fifties plus sixties plus, it's really hard. It's really easy to send yourself into a this depressing spiral where you look back and you think, you know, I wasted my entire life. I 
don't know why I thought this. I spent so much bending over backwards for a woman that never really even wanted to be with me or just made all these crazy, you know, I had to make all these concessions to try to make her happy and it's all been for nothing. And she never cared about me and she took the kids in the house and all that sort of stuff. And then I think at a young age, it's, it can be just as tough because it was, it was once explained to me that the red pill is like fire. Um, it's just the information, right? It is what it is. But what you choose to do with that information is totally up to you. And that's, that's what leads you down the path of fulfilled life or the path of throwing your life away and assured destruction. Um, you know, you can burn your house down with fire. You can set other people's houses on fire. But you can also heat your house with fire. You can also <clears throat> cook food with fire. So it's really about how you use the information that the guys that are sort of in this space have to say and, and the information that the guys tell. Um, I would say probably early to mid-20s is the best time because, as we know, guys generally go up in value on the sexual marketplace. Their ascent usually starts around late 20s, 30 and 30 and some change. And that's when, you know, that's when you've been around the block a little bit, you've made some friends, you've been able to network. Maybe if you're in a W-2 job or some sort of job, you're in some mid-level manager or you're starting to finally come into some real decent money for the first time in your life. And women are starting to pay attention to you. You start to come into your looks more as a man. So I think at like 25 or 26, you still have enough time in your 20s to really build whether that's a business or that's build your body in the gym or that's build skills or build a network. And you can really throw all your time and effort attention into building. And you're really not that far off from 30, 31, 32, right? So you're, you're really close to starting to see yourself ascend that SMV peak ladder. And if you do the right things, like you can really start that around 27, 28, 29, and you can really ride that out for a very long time. And the same guys really start to peak in their early to mid forties, again, if they do everything right. Um, and so, but as a really young guy, I mean, God, I mean, there's a dude that we got in the 10% that unplugged and started watching Rich's content, I think at like 18 or 19. And so that can be a real tough pill to swallow, no pun intended, because you're so far off. You're so far off from when you're going to start now. Look like, yeah, I agree. There are some young kids out there, whether they're doing some sort of Amazon drop shipping or FBA, or they're running a email agency or copywriting, or one of the billion things that Money Twitter can tell you that you just need a laptop and a brain to do. Which you know that's fine. I respect those kids' hustle and they're they're doing their thing. It's cool. But for the vast majority of kids that age, are not they're not doing anything like that, and they're they're not able to uh, kind of make that happen. And so I can, I can see like as an 18 year old, 19 year old, 20 year old guy, you're, you're so far away from when people say, Oh, like just wait till you're 30, man. It's going to turn around. Like that might as well be an eternity um, to wait another 10 years and to go the next 10 years of your life where people are telling you just focus on building yourself and focus on making money and this sort of thing. 
And I never really bought into that either. I don't think that you need to completely shut yourself off. Like there are guys that have said, don't even go out with women until you, you're 30 because in your twenties, you're just going to get, you're going to go after the same girls that guys that are, you know, 30, 35 are going after. You're not going to stand a chance, but you can't spend your entire twenties by being a hermit and just going to the gym and making money because it's going to be really difficult for you to understand how to be socially calibrated. There was a guy that called in, I want to say like a year and a half ago, who was a, was a virgin and he called into the show and like, there's guys out there that would tell this dude like, Hey man, just, just focus on yourself. Just like hit the gym and make a bank. And it's bad advice because if you don't learn how to understand male, female nature, and then how to interact and how to look for red flags and how to identify warning signs and how to date properly, you're going to be the guy that gets taken for all your money by the first girl that you like the hottest girl you've ever seen or the first girl that touches your PP and wants to hang out with you. And you having no other experience with women look around saying, Oh my God, like she must really be in love with me. She loves me for me. I can't wait to marry her. And the next thing you know, she's off with half your stuff and kids. If you were unfortunate enough to have kids with this kind of woman and people might think I'm talking about extremes, but it happens all the time. I mean, even the richest guys on the planet have trouble keeping their women in line or have trouble understanding if a woman's really into them or I mean, that's, we can talk about that too, because that comes up a lot. Guys often ask, and Rich covered this, I think a couple of weeks ago, where a lot of guys are like, well, how do I know she's not with me just for my money? How do I know that she likes me for me? And it's like, well, the things that you do and the things that you did to accumulate your wealth and to make your money are who you are. You're a hard worker. You've got, I mean, to make money and to be somebody that's affluent and wealthy, you have to exhibit traits that women generally find attractive in men. Dominance, uh, being able to climb the ladder, persuasion, being a man of status, hard being hardworking. I mean, all of these are signals of a guy that can go get resources. Because a lot of guys say like, well, money doesn't get women. It's not all about money. It's like, well, it is and it's not. It's the, it's what money represents. Money represents the traits that women find attractive in, in men. It's the same thing as like being tall or being in good shape. There are signals that you exude as a man to say, hey, I am a good provider. I'm a good protector. I have the ability to gather ample resources to give back to you and my future children. So guys that think like, oh, how do I keep her from getting after my money? It's like, well, you don't generally care if a woman is college educated. You don't care how much money generally she has in the bank. Those things aren't really a priority for you. You care about fit, fun, feminine, all those kind of things. And that's perfectly fine. So I think it's okay. We've all got our preferences, but guys that are whining about, oh, like all I've got is this money and I don't know if she's with me for with me. Like, you're kind of like the girl that says, well, well, I don't know if he's really with me just because I'm young and hot and attractive. But if it's like, it's like, who really cares? We're, we're so caught up with all of these, like, oh, we have to have a bunch of things in common or we have to like the same TV shows. We have to like the same music. Or we have to be aligned politically. It's like, you really don't. I mean, especially if you understand women to their core, 
women that are really in love with you and like dig your vibe and want to be in your like, they will start to adopt your mannerisms. They'll start to like the same things that you like. They'll start, you know, watching the same shows. If you, if that's your thing, listening to the same music, they'll start to adopt even your, um, your views politically or just your views about the world. I mean, there's things that I've certainly noticed in my LTR and I'm sure guys out there have, have noticed similar things. So, um, let me just put this in the chat one more time. All right. I see my buddy Kizza in the back channel here. I see you. Let's bring him up here. What's up, my friend? Evening, Moff. How are you doing? Good, sir. Good, man. How are you? It's late where you are, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, 10 to 2 over here. Sorry. Um, I would have come on earlier, okay. but I was just doing a stream with a friend that they do occasionally on the Monday nights, and we went a bit over time. We were chatting oh, right after on. we went live. So yeah, no how's things been with you? Now, um, I'll tell you what, forgive me if you've gone over this article, but I've got a hilarious article to share with you. Slightly okay. off topic, but you've got to laugh at this, okay? Hold on. Now, now, please, I want everyone in the chat to just keep an open mind what I'm about to show you. You okay, probably have on. to send it in the chat here because if you're not a mod of this, here. Oh, it doesn't well, work. What like is that. it exactly before I put it up on the screen? It's a Slate art. It's a Slate article. And the topic is, and I quote, Sai, I'm a lesbian who's only satisfied by men. <laughs> okay. Yeah, please walk <laughs> us through this really quickly. Okay. So I literally come across this through a Discord I was in. It's quite recent. July 8th, 2023. And uh, Slate, who's a pretty uh, left-wing publication, pretty good for a laugh. And uh, this is one of those anonymous questions, things they do. So as we see here, for most of my life, I've, I've identified as a lesbian and considered myself exclusively interested in women. Sure, sometimes I've had the a few quiet fantasies about sex with men, but it was fantasy only, and I never found myself sexually attracted to actual flesh and bone human men. By contrast, my relationships with women were very satisfying emotionally, and I have always found women deeply attractive. Sounds like your standard lesbianism, right? Well, here's the catch. Recently, I started having casual hookups with men, and while I'm not actually any more attractive to male bodies than I ha uh, have ever been, the sex is mind-blowingly better. Even during quickies where I don't manage to orgasm, I feel more pleasure and come away satisfied. Hmm. I mean, this sounds pretty ridiculous, right? Certainly a lot to unpack. Yeah, I agree. It is quite ridiculous. Uh, I'll just continue. So reading. what's your what's your take? Oh, I'll, I'll put it back. Okay, yeah, go ahead. And sure thing. It's so uh, small, I can't even see where it is on the screen. Yeah, so. I do. I do apologize. Uh, let me just zoom in a little closer. Oh, okay, that's you might see it a bit better now. Sorry for everyone who's going to read it. Uh, where was I? Um, this leaves me in an incredibly confused place in my life. Having sex with men feels incredible, but their bodies aren't attracted to me. And I have to force myself to put my hands or mouth on a male partner anywhere other than directly on their manhood. Meanwhile, women are incredibly attracted to me, but I love playing with their bodies and pleasuring them. It just honestly feels as though half my nerve endings are turned off when I'm in bed with a woman. Every, every touch just feels duller and less interesting. Women rarely make me come, but easily 80% of the guys I sleep with do. What kind of orientation is this? What do I call myself? And before you ask, yes, I have slept with trans women, 
but I feel ethically very icky about seeking uh, TWEN out specifically on the grounds that they have penises and the ability to screw me the way men do. Also, the trans partners I've had have not been interested in PIV. I guessing that stands for penis in vagina, and I would never ever push that. <laughs> that is pretty ridiculous, right? Yeah, I mean, what what do you uh, what's your take on it? what's your what what do you, what would you what, if this person was writing their advice column to you? What would you what would you say to them? I would say it sounds to me that they are. It definitely sounds like they are definitely, in terms of sexual orientation, hold on a sec. Sorry about that. Um, it seems to me they're definitely, in terms of sexual orientation, definitely lesbian. But it seems that a whole thing. Dead air. You got to come back off mute, dude. All right. And forgive me. I got, I got a mic yeah. going off in the background. I don't all think good. anyone wants to hear that. Yeah. All good. Okay. Um, yeah. Very interesting. I mean, thank God I can't relate. But I mean, Chelsea is here in the chat saying, Nothing rubber will ever compare to the real thing. So um, I wouldn't know, but no, I wouldn't it's definitely know interesting. Yeah, I mean, the only closest thing I can think of is, well, the only way I can relate to this woman is technically I've had an actual, I have actually had sexual intercourse with a, a lesbian myself. How'd that go? Um, well, to give you a bit of context, she was a colleague of mine at my first job as a sales assistant and we got along great. And basically we used to play the game of would you, where we basically look at female customers to come in and we would say, point out, point them out to each other and say, would you do them? And long story short, she got really angry with um, management. I think they were, I think they were just being homophobic or something. And she was upset. I was like, don't worry, dear, let's just buy some alcohol and chill at your place. Let's just chill out. Right. And then one thing led to another. And then I woke up the next day with a used condom around my manhood. So, and it was pretty awkward between us afterwards. But um, she did reassure me that um, I didn't violate her. And, you know, and, and just any way to reassure me, but I did feel guilty at the time because we were both like really young. We were both like 19. I mean, I'm more, it's more of a gray area. It's like, I, in my mind, it seemed like I took advantage of her, but she made it clear, like, look, we were both under influence and all that. But looking back, I look at it and I can jokingly say to people, yeah, I have fucked a lesbian. I've done the ultimate um, challenge run as a man. <laughs> yeah. As some would say. But I mean, I mean, I've had this argument on stereo with a uh, mutual friend, Justice, where, where he speaks about what men, who men want to conquer is the women that don't want us. 
which I jokingly said, well, by that logic, then every man wants to conquer a lesbian. Well, I mean, I think that stems from, we, we talk about like the war brides dynamic where it's all about conquering another tribe. It's all about conquering and, and those women are standing by their husbands or their warriors. And it's about going into another tribe and killing the men and taking the women for, for themselves. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I can definitely understand the logic behind, behind that sentiment for sure. And like, you know, there's Wahlberger had this comment where he goes, you know, and this is something I've never really delved into and that I, I really try not to, to go into much because I'm far more interested in the relationships between uh, heterosexual men and heterosexual women. And if, mm-hmm. if that's not the line that you fall into, that's, that's totally cool. But, but here's the thing. I mean, now this, this was long enough ago, I'm guessing that this was well before, you know, the world took a turn where all of a sudden something like 40% of kids are identifying as non-binary or some combination of LGBTQIA yeah. plus two. So, I mean, I, I do think that it's going to bring up far more discussions and some nuance is going to have to be had where, because, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you were to say to a woman like, oh, you don't like girls, you just haven't had the right D yet. Extremely yeah, offensive. Yeah, Patently offensive yeah. and, and very, yeah, much, very much yeah, like, whoa, dude. But yeah, now, I like, yeah, I remember. I remember those topics back then. Yeah, right. And now it's like, yeah. well, I think there's a. I think it's almost a perfectly valid question to sit here and say, like, well, what do you mean you're this, or what do you mean you identify, or it's, or the ones that always kill me are the ones where it's like a trans woman, so a male transitioning to female, but then turns around and is also a lesbian. Where it's like, oh, or God, are yeah, you just I've a guy? This, yeah. Yeah, or yeah. if it's just like, are you a guy that is dressing up to pretend he's a girl and you just want to like fuck girls? <laughs> you just want to bang women. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I did get a lot of heat when I asked this in a, a Discord I was in, and I asked him the simple question of, what is the objective difference between a trans woman and a crossdresser from an objective standpoint? I guess this is as good as mine. Exactly. Most people couldn't give an objective difference because they kept saying, oh, it's about what they think in their mind. I'm just saying, no, no, no. I want an objective difference between the two. Well, good luck getting objective anything out of that. But yeah, I, I mean, I think yeah, look, yeah. Like, there's, there's outliers and everything, right? I mean, there's people that say like many women are put here to procreate and, and I've never said this and I wouldn't say it that being gay or, or liking the, the same sex is you know unnatural or it's because like it's technically unnatural to be born with six fingers on one hand, but people are born with that. There's people yeah. that are born with yeah, two left I feet mean, or whatever it is. So true. yeah, you know, there's there's I, I, there's always going to be outliers, but when you when when the outlier goes from ten percent of the population to nearly half, and pe- peculiar enough, that half is underage children essentially it, it really makes you wonder um what sort of other sinister sort of mm-hmm. mechanisms that are at play yeah i what i would add to this is that um from what i've seen from the data those who are gen z so people under 26 i believe it is anyone born after 1996 
I believe last I checked from the data, around 20% identify as a part of the Rainbow Coalition compared to, I think it's less than 1% for the boomers slash silent generation, I believe it was. It's like overwhelmingly. Yeah. Now, one thing I... I think there's an undeniable increase in the... We we as humans obviously have tribal tendencies and and we're we're community-driven and connection-driven. And you take an entire generation that grew up with cell phones and grew up like you and I both know and remember a time where we had like dial-up internet connections and we didn't have cell phones. Oh, good. We're, we're still kind of from the generation where we didn't have all that stuff or the internet. Was yeah, because like, well, we're both. Uh, out, right? Yeah, because we're both. Um, sorry to interrupt. We're both uh, late millennials. Right. You know, we're both right. mi- late millennials in the generational game, but like. So, yeah, we kind of bridge that I, gap I, a little bit. But I mean, yeah, it's like, like the Gen Zs, it's, they're, they're so disconnected from one another. Like they've not, and especially some of them that are growing up during COVID, either going to middle school or high school, and some even going through college with COVID and having, I mean, everything being remote. I mean, jobs remote. There are, there are people that are going into the workforce that are never going to go into an office and they're always going to work from home. And so there's just so many of these human interactions that you, you miss out on when you're so siloed and so isolated, when everybody's growing up texting people i mean yeah. there's i know like gen z people that they're terrified to answer the phone when the pizza delivery uh, guy God. comes like they can't yeah. even have a conversation with the guy and say hey yes this is my address like the code to the door is abc one two three ac in a second yeah i mean just yeah. calling and making a doctor's appointment these people would rather just be like you know what i'll just get sick and die that's fine yeah <laughs> i mean they make an appointment i, w- I would say this is a friend of mine who used to do some YouTube on stereo, the guy who actually quite literally made me get a stereo account, um, he regarded this as the hyper-feminization of society. And uh, one thing I will say, when it comes to technology, I mean, I, to use this analogy, and forgive me if I gross anybody's imaginations out, I jokingly tell people, I came out of my mother's womb with a Sega Mega Drive, or Sega Genesis, as it was called over there. Because as a two-year-old, free, as a toddler, I was glued to my uncle's Mega Drive, original Nintendo, and Super Nintendo back in the day. You know, I was one of those kids who grew up yeah. on consoles straight away. So I always been my around first one technology. Was Super Nintendo, Super Nintendo, yeah, exactly. And PS1. Exactly right, and you know, and I had my N64s and all that stuff as I grew older. But even me, as someone who pretty much grew up with it, from like from with consoles and gaming from day one. And sitting in front of a screen, I can see as a as an experienced veteran, I can see what smartphones and tablets do to very young impressionable children, especially toddlers and you know kindergarten to early first stage uh, first stage children. How they effectively the smartphone is the equivalent of class A drugs to adults. I, I can see that straight away. Areas of the brain are activated and the same sort of chemical reactions are activated when you're on social media and smartphones. And I mean, exactly. yeah, man, it's, it's, it's like, it's given these, first of all, like we, our brains are not hardwired to adjust for social media or being able no, to no. be in contact with anyone in the world instantaneously or having the entire history of all information living in our pocket. But I think we also, we live in a world now where like, Parents are just putting screens in front of kids because they're maladjusted to be parents. You've got children that are raising children. You've got kids that are growing up 
yeah, I mean, you've got 20 year olds, 25 year olds plus that um, are, I mean, are growing up in single parent households and, and didn't have men that um, raised them correctly and, and went to work. I mean, we're, we don't have like, there's a scene in fight club. We have no great war, no great depression. We're aimless and purposeless in our, in our lives. And so we never really had to become adults. I mean, when you talk, when you think about the exploits of great men who, whether they were soldiers and did miraculous acts of bravery and valor. And I mean, there's, I mean, if you look at the founding fathers, like they were all in their early twenties, some of them like were not even 20. I mean, when yeah, they were all relatively about young. freedom and yeah. revolution, right? And now, yeah. like nineteen-year-olds can't even pick up the phone and call a buddy and set up some time to hang out or whatever, or even a, too afraid to approach a girl on the street and try to get her phone number. I guess nowadays yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Instagram. So I mean, well, yeah, I think yeah, that's yeah. that's what it is. Like yeah. our the, the current parents are, are maladjusted to actually raise kids, and so you just it's this perpetual vicious cycle. Because the first time a kid cries, what do you do? They put a tablet in his hand. Or they sit them down in front of the TV because they they're just not prepared and they don't understand what it's like to be. And look, I won't even I'm not a parent. I won't pretend to understand yeah. every single little thing. Um, I can't possibly put myself in in those shoes and say this and that. But I think we can pretty easily identify general well being from a purely humanistic standpoint because that whole trope of if you don't have kids, you don't understand, or if they're my kids it's my choice. It's like, well, what about their choice? Like, what about, I mean, yeah. I guess in a way like what, total yeah, well-being what, is, is I think a better overall goal than to be able to, yeah, it's, it's an interesting line. Cause, cause I do think, I mean, even, even saying that out loud, I, I immediately already want to walk that back. Like what about their choice? Cause it's like, you know, they're your kids and, and hopefully you live the life that you've learned some lessons and you can impart wisdom onto them versus you're annoying. So play games on your tablet for the next three hours while I watch TV and, and don't interact with you and learn how to raise you correctly. Well, yeah, for sure. Cause like, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't have kids of my own, but I do want to have kids of my own. And I've been, I have an unofficial tie of the world's best uncle to my nephews and niece. And I've done babysitting on and off for 20 odd years now. So I'm, despite being a relatively young man, I am quite a veteran when it comes to dealing with children. So if anyone tries to give me BS about speaking from authority, I'd be like, listen, dear, I freaking raised so many damn kids, wiped their freaking bottoms, used the baby power and all that, and put them to bed and fed, fed them their bottles more so than most fucking uh, people working in orphanages can say. Yeah, I mean, there's and, a, but there's also an objective reality on well-being of children. I mean, it's like... Oh, yeah, for sure. There's got to sure. be a line somewhere. Oh, yeah, for sure, sure. Like, I always say to people, it's like, yes, this is your kid, but you are responsible for how you bring them up because how you bring them up is going to be a reflection of who you are as an individual. And if those kids do cause trouble to the point where other people get involved, especially the authorities, your head is going to be on the line. Always is the case, which is why, like, in terms of, like, more, especially the older generations, there was a natural village mentality that if a kid stepped, if that it was common that adults who weren't related to the kid, if the kid was in trouble, they'll give him a clip around the ear. It was considered normal because it was about maintaining the peace, not to allow a barbarian to cause trouble. And back then in those societies, 
you cry to your mom that the neighbor's giving you a clip around the ear because he was being noisy, you're going to clip around the ear at home. It was considered normal back then. But the problem is today, with today's so-called sensibilities, you'll have the entire you have multiple adults being arrested for child abuse. You know, yeah. that and that's and that's ridiculous because at the end of the day, it was like the arguments against, you know, disciplining children through violence. It's like I would argue, I wouldn't say you should beat them black and blue. I would say that's absolutely ridiculous and no one would ever say that straight up. Because I've heard, I've, I know of a neighbor where I used to live. There was a neighbor of mine who was from Nigeria who I used to play football with. And I remember one time he took off his shirt and he was bright red. And he's from Nigeria. So talking West Africa here, you know, as black as they come to use an expression. And me as an ignorant kid, I was 12 years old at the time. I asked him, damn, bro, you're, damn, bro, you are severely sunburned. You know, out of pure ignorance because they didn't realize he had one hell of a beating. You know, right. and like there are some kids out there who do need a clip around the ear, but that doesn't necessarily. But I wouldn't say you should do go for that straight away. That should always be a last result, regardless. Even with adults, there are some adults where some of them do need a punch in the face, but always leave it as a last result. Now, some people say, "Oh, kids, you're sounding like such a pacifist." But if you can if you can address this, a problem diplomatically speaking, you go with it until there is no other option. Yeah, I mean, I think with that is the, the tough part is like on one hand you are the most the most shining example, and you have a kid or a child that trusts you with its life, and then you turn violent and you turn, you know, essentially you choose to, whether it's spanking or hitting or smacking or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's kids understand at a biological level, they understand immediate violence and they understand immediate discomfort. And there's, I think there's too many parents out there that are, the whole idea of consequentialism is non-existent to a child. This whole idea of if you do that, you're not going to be able to get this or when they're they're sitting down, getting a stern talking to. And it's, you know, what did I just tell you? You didn't I told you not to do that. And then you went and did it anyway. And the kid's like four. And it's like, well, th this kid doesn't understand what you're asking him or her to do. They just know that the situation that they're in is uncomfortable and they want to be out of it as fast as possible. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. So it's it's that's sort of immediate reaction. But yeah, I think it's, I, I think that's, I think that's always the beef that I've had with like major organized religion or even like the whole elf on a shelf thing. And even the idea of like Easter mm -hmm. Bunny and Santa Claus and all that kind of good stuff. It's, it's teaching kids to be good because there's going to be either a reward for doing so or a punishment for not doing so versus these are the rules. I am the person responsible for keeping you alive. And that's it. You will listen to me. I'm an authority figure. It's the, the, the answer is because I said so. It's not because if you're bad, you won't get any presents because then you're conditioning. It's, it's all about, well, I'm only going to be Obedience. good because I get a reward out of it. Um, yeah, not because it makes me a better person or not because it's the, it's, it generally promotes well-being of those that are directly around me 
It's only because I'm purely motivated by my own self-interest uh, and I want to avoid pain. And it's, and it's teaching them to learn and obey by fear rather than understanding that acting a certain way is better for everyone close to you, or at least in your immediate circle than, than to act otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Cause like, um, cause one of the issues is, as uh, uh, Ryan made a good point in the chat of how kids, kids do get a lot of conflicting messages from society, sure. teachers and parents. Like, well, that's teachers you want to have. break us apart. Like teachers. Oh, are, for sure. For sure. I mean, look, like this is no secret. The average teacher that the vast majority of teachers are. are, are women. Yes. Um, and you take enough of these women and you convince them that they are a victim of the patriarchy and they are oppressed from the time they are however old and they're never going to make as much money as a man. And so how do they, how do they change the world? Well, they become a teacher because they get to indoctrinate or they get to influence their worldview on 20 exactly. or 50 or a hundred kids every single year for the next 30 years. And so that's, yeah, it's, 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 I, it's with the way with why people don't understand this and they say teachers are our heroes. And like, I don't know, like if I buy, I mean, look, like I have fond memories of teachers that I had in elementary school and middle school and things like that. But I don't think the teachers of today were the teachers of 20 years ago by any stretch. Oh, for sure. Like I, I will say this um, when it comes to teachers, this reminds me of a joke. Well, a, ref, a, a fact about uh, the American um, education system with teachers unions. It's a quote from um, the Af the African American economist Thomas Sorwell, and he said, "Back in my day, a bad to get rid of a bad teacher only cost fifty thousand dollars. Now you're talking well over a hundred thousand dollars to get rid of these bad teachers, and that's the problem is with these unions, they constantly protect bad teachers, and a lot of the ones who are worth their salt quite often quit because of it, and they go elsewhere. Maybe they stop working in the uh, industry itself." and decide maybe they settle down, have their own kids, and decide to homeschool them. Now, you do that enough, all you're going to end up with is absolute trash. Now, myself, ultimately, I'm speaking as an Englishman here from a what you would call a college town, an old college town. For my looking back, I would say half the teachers I didn't, I we were at each other's throats, and the other half, there was no issues whatsoever. But what's funny is almost all the ones I had no issues with were all men, more male teachers, especially in secondary yeah. school. But when I went into college, because I did motorsport engineering, it was all but one teacher was a, was a woman. All of the others were males, and they weren't teachers in the traditional sense. They were professionals from the industry who then became teachers. Yeah, And I do find those people have vastly better control of a classroom and are better to teach than those who came, who went to university to be a teacher. Which is so interesting because we always talk about the inherent positive traits of women, which is connecting with other humans. It's being interested in people while men are interested more in things, humanitarian type of roles, like in the admin and nursing and teaching and things like that. But so, so when did priorities become so skewed? When did it become all self-interest and in, in a self-fulfilling sort of prophecy? I mean, 
if if this is something if, if we're if women are in this role that is supposedly a better fit for their natural proclivities then then what's happening what 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 do we chalk this shift up to i mean if it's existed the way it's existed for forever i mean and i mean teachers have always been predominantly um female or at least as long as i can wow. fast few decades as with as long as i mean since i can work but wow. i mean it's, I, it's I, always been god yeah sorry sorry i didn't mean to interrupt that but no, um, um what i will say is that um although on average, um, it is agreed upon that women are more interested in people and things. The thing is, though, with the aspects of psychology, although women are more interested in things, they are also arguably more corruptible to be against people. They tend to have higher vindictiveness, psychologically speaking, against people compared to men. That's the ironic twist you have, which is why, for instance, yeah, which is one of the things that they don't speak about. It's why, for instance, if you look at children growing up in abusive homes, it is majority of the time the mothers who are the abusive ones, not necessarily the fathers, which is a lot of things people don't talk about, especially when I remember reading up children who were um, abused, sexually speaking. Under, I believe it was under 12s were overwhelmingly female. The perpetrators, the majority of them were actually female, not hmm. male, which is something that a lot of people don't speak about. Yeah, I mean, and I would argue part of that is in terms of the female psychology, they have a higher level of vindictiveness. And when that vindictiveness manifests, the children are the first victims because they're the easiest ones to abuse. The next in line would be the the elderly right in question even though men we have more ability to be abusive ironic enough a lot of times we are less likely to do so because we have that we naturally have that power which is yeah, what's uh, interesting i saw something like like yes, an hour even a two to a couple hours ago before the show where it was the classic debate and and you've heard my take on this a million times about men mm-hmm. and women being friends and, and guys are he's like Somebody said something was like um, the guys that are championing or the, the, the people that are championing for saying men and women can be friends are conveniently leaving out the, the facts that women are the, the general cattiness and backstabbiness of women in general and the sort of um, loyalty and virtuousness that men sort of have when it comes to friend groups. So it's they're almost at odds with each other when they talk about their natural uh, ways they act in in groups where women are far more uh, likely to backstab or talk bad about each other behind their back versus men who generally in their friend groups are um, far more loyal to one another and it's it's weird it's, it's interesting to have those two juxtapose um, and then people think that I mean it's 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 like the scorpion and the frog right like it's just my nature yeah yeah yeah, so, um, yeah. What I would add to that as well is the whole can men and women be friends? What I generally tell people is they can be friends on the proviso that neither one of them are sexually attractive to the other. Because as soon as one of them is sexually attractive to the other, it is not a true platonic friendship. Yeah, but even even that scenario, I don't even think exists. Because I yeah. think that even a guy, I mean, it doesn't take much for a guy 
to say, okay, like, I mean, if, even if he's not attracted to her, I mean, I guess, I guess to your point, like she would be attracted to him in this scenario. So, but yeah, I've always agreed with you. I've always agreed if there's any sort of sexual attraction or romantic interest whatsoever, it completely throws the, the aspect of being platonic completely out the window. Yeah. But I, but I don't think there exists a scenario where there isn't some sort of, even if it's passive willingness, I talked about this last week. I was like, I call it, I call it category three where uh-huh. it's men are passively pursuing. So they're just waiting around there. And this is where most men. They're, wait, they're waiting they for the opportunity. Female, yeah. They're waiting for the opportunity and they'll yeah. live forever and they'll yeah, date yeah. other women and they'll get married and they'll have children. But you always yeah. hear about like, Oh, like I've held out for forever. I held out for 30 years. And now I finally have that opportunity and they'll just wait in the wings because a lot yeah, of those like, guys don't have any other options. So it's, yeah, I'm yeah. This is why I do say to people, male, male to female friendships can exist, but is thing it has to be solely platonic and not in the case of one person has fifis or the other, or ideally, because this is where most commonly you see male and female friendships. One of them is a homosexual. Yeah, but even then, that's not this. There's a but lot even, of a, oh, like he's my gay best friend. I would never. It's like, oh, like I don't yeah, know what yeah. happened. Like, I guess I thought he was gay I've, and he really wasn't. No, no, I've I know full well. I know plenty of straight women who see a gay guy and they secretly all want to conquer him and convert him, quote unquote. I've seen this all the fucking time. I've seen this all the fucking time, especially with those sort of bitchy, so-called Gen X fucking quote-unquote Karen types. They are the worst for this. But I know this is oh, to be true. He, but, but yes, yeah, especially early, like early millennial slash, uh, sorry, early late Gen X, early millennial types, that age group specifically, they are notorious for this mentality. And I'm just like, look, ladies, I know full well, if he happened to be straight, you would all be freaking clawing each other's eyes to get access to his penis. Don't even lie. Don't even lie. But um, as I tell people, it's like, look, if you two are just solely friends and there is no no sexual attraction between even and you fair enough but these things can develop over time for various reasons it might be a case of your you might both mature especially if you're young you know you might both might mature in terms of your going through puberty it might be a case of you spend more time with each other and it slowly develops over time these things can happen or it could be a case of I don't know, you're both thrown into a situation and tensions or emotions are high and then you end up creating that sexual attraction because quite often, quite often where there is the spark of attraction is normally due to a time of intense emotions. Like, for example, oh, I don't know, um, both you two were in a situation where you could have been robbed and because you were in that sense of tension and survival, it sparked the notion of where both you two end up end up sleeping together. That's quite often the thing, because what people seem to ignore is, and it's a well-known studied fact, in a case of heightened emotional tension or where's the case of survivability on the line, uh, what's the word? Um, especially on the woman's side, the desire, the psychological desire to procreate then sharpens very highly, which is why, for instance, I know Hollywood does this a lot and people think this is fake. No, there is data behind this. 
if there is a case of you case of Marfaletta, you're out with your girlfriend and some guys are trying to screw you over and you prove that you're the man and you battered the living hell out of three, three blokes who are trying to rob you. She is going to be, she's going to be overwhelmed with a sense of ovulation to the point that she's going to right. want your penis. Yeah. You know, people will say this is ridiculous, but like, no, this is true because it plays into Absolutely, the psychological yeah. mind. You know, this plays into yeah. the reptilian mind of this guy's a fighter. And because you had that emotional scare of like high tension, I'm going to be hurt too. It's all calm now. You have that rush of emotion, rush of dopamine. She's going to want to make make babies with you. Yeah, and I think I think that one of the most frustrating parts is that people just choose to willfully ignore what should be so obvious. I mean, when you just take the workplace, for example, I mean, there are so many situations where men and women should just not be working together. I mean, your average your average conference or your average Christmas party in a corporate setting is just a fuck fest. I mean, everybody's oh. getting hopped up. Everybody like I don't drink at when I when I've gone to company events. I stopped drinking a long time ago at company events. I don't do that kind of stuff. But mm. it's with all of this under the guise of of inclusion and under the veil of everyone getting a seat at the table. You know, you're you're putting people that our our natural proclivity is to mate with one another. And you're saying, you know, you just need to deny that you just need to trick your monkey brain. And it's like it's like putting a for a lot of guys and a lot of women, too. It's like it's putting a fifth of vodka in front of an alcoholic and saying, just stare at that bottle, but don't drink. You can be in the same room with that vodka. You can hold that vodka. You can smell that vodka. You can have all of the alcohol surrounding you, but don't take a drink. Don't take a sip. Don't do anything like that, but live every day having to interact with your addiction. The shit temptation. And, and I know it's a, I know it's kind of an extreme example, but no, no, I understand it's, completely. It's, it's, it's the, the idea temptation. of putting two people in that situation and just saying, Hey, like regardless of what's going on in your monkey. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's why make it easier for people to make dumb poor decisions under, yeah. under this, under this facade of, Oh, it's about equality. It's about inclusion and, and, and not, being honest about the way that men and women interact with each with, with each other and even in the workplace. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting take. Yeah. Cause um, I, I don't care what anyone says. It's almost impossible to separate business with pleasure. If you're dating someone in your, in your, in your workplace, it is nigh on oh. impossible to do that. Like I sure there are some who are very good at putting their personal relationship aside but it's always going to play a role because everyone in the workforce is going to know that you two are together everyone knows it because everyone talks and all that gossip stuff yeah so generally if i was running a business i would ideally have it that the people working together working are not dating because the moment there is issues in the dating the workforce becomes effective and therefore my business which i'm running here start to fall in terms of standards and quality and deadlines. And I don't want that. Yeah, it's it's a dangerous place to be. I mean, there's plenty of places that have, you know, things in their guidelines and bylaws now where you have to you have to disclose if you're dating in a relationship and it just creates this. But and they make it, you know, where 
I mean, look, I'm, I'm in total agreement. You should not be dating people that you work with. It's just too dangerous. It's a slippery slope. I mean, especially mm-hmm, now. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, as a man, it's just, it's just, it's just not worth it. And with social media and just all of the things that could possibly happen, um, you could easily say or do the wrong thing. And, and all of a sudden you're, you're sent with your, your walking papers and look like I'm not out there telling guys to go work at W2 forever anyway, but, um, you should be trying to, to get your way out of the matrix and, and climb out of the rat race as much as you possibly can. But sometimes it takes playing the game a little bit to, uh, to be able to make that happen. So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I love this comment. I just want to put it, <laughs> dress up the vodka and make it super sexy, but, but don't touch it. So <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's not a yeah. perfect analogy, but it's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's about temptation. And quite frankly, most people in society are not disciplined to deal with temptations. Right. Like, quite frankly, because we're looking for the easy way out. I mean, we we want to avoid pain and we want to go to pleasure. I mean, that's like our natural instinct. It's a survival mechanism. It's survive. This makes me feel good. This gives me pleasure. This is comfort. I'll be I'll be alive. I'm running away from discomfort. I don't want to be in pain because that means I'm going to be I'm I'm dying. Yeah, I mean, exactly. it's binary, but a lot of people just don't want to be open and accept this fact because they just, they think that it, the, it boils down to like, there are no differences between men and women. We're all the same. We think the same. We have the same brains, the same mannerisms, the same skills, the same personality. I mean, it, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, strange world we live in. Oh yeah, for sure. It's like, it's funny since we're talking about business, I remember speaking with my colleague before uh, the last week of work before we um, have our summer shutdown. And I remember saying to him that I said to him straight up, like, if I was your boss, you would all hate my guts because of what, how demanding I would be of the service. And he straight up said, yeah, I would be the same as well. Because ultimately if you're a management, especially if you get promoted manager and you work with a group of guys you worked with for many, many years, it becomes very difficult where you try and maintain your friendships, but have to be the authority figure when it comes to running the place. Right. And that's the thing. Cause yeah. like you, it's very difficult to maintain that because if they see you, if you have a group of friends, others who are sitting from the outside will try and claim that you're going to be very nepot, uh, going to be full of nepotism when it comes to your friends. And the only way to counter with that is to, if your friends step out of line or do something that makes you look bad, you make an example out of them in front of everyone to make it clear that he might be my best friend, but I'm going to still make an example out of him. What do you think I'm going to do to all of you? But then at the same time, you could easily destroy your friendship because of it. You know, it's just yeah, one of those things. That's true. You that's know, true. that's why, it's like, stuff, getting in business with your friends is always a dangerous thing. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, like for me, like, if I had the uh, screw you money, as I like to call it, because uh, I mean, in, personally, I would love to buy out all the British automotive manufacturers, stick them under one roof, like they do with British, like they do with General Motors. But unlike when they tried this before with British Leyland back in the late sixties, early seventies, do it properly and make the best level, best cars in all sectors you can think of, and piss off the General Motors, pick us, piss off Ford. BMW, Mercedes, VW Group, Toyota, uh, Honda, you name it. Take them all on. 
But that's me, of course. Most people are not yeah, interested. You're in a petrol head, man. Yeah, you're yeah. a huge petrol head. I know about that. You and Rich obviously yeah, yeah. have that common. Listen, man, it's I, it's about 9.30. I'm going to start wrapping up the show, man. But it's no glad worries, you man. come on. It's always a pleasure to chop things up. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I would have come their on. whole monetization structure. So I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on that app now that I'm they're, they're kind of yeah, I know they did that. I know they did that creative. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Like, I know they did that creative film when it was a hundred million dollars, and then I heard they pulled that back after like a month. And I'm just like, look, guys, 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 guys. Let's be frank here. The only way you're going to be able to monetize and actually be worth it, you have to already be a big name, and you came yeah. to stereo. You have to be big from right. somewhere else, whether it's YouTube, well, that's or what Twitch, to or get influencers and TikTok. stuff like that, but. It's not working. I mean, it makes it makes me laugh that when the app first came out, they had a bunch of big UK YouTubers to start with. They brought right. in an influx of people, and then they just dropped the app after a few months. Yeah, because what the only thing that's unique about Stereo is you can interact on a podcast with people and send direct messages like it's a radio show. That's the only real yeah. thing that's unique of it compared to, let's say, Anchor or any other podcast type app. Yeah, well, Rumble and yeah. Rumble is more of like a YouTube rival. Same with like BitChute or Odyssey. And right. Clubhouse yeah. is kind of like, basically, it's kind of like stereo for PC on steroids. But also, it's kind now it's kind of being screwed over with the Twitter spaces, which have been, you know, yeah. True. quite recently. And the problem is now, as I'm sure you'll agree and others in the chat would agree as well, especially when this, go, when this becomes uploaded normally. Uh, what's it called? Um there's too many of these social media companies are trying to copy each other to the point where it's very hard to to differentiate between which ones you have. Because like now with Stereo as well, a lot of the Instagram people are trying to use it similar to Instagram. But it's not about that. Because I see this all the yeah. time with a lot of the youngsters from TikTok come over. Right. A lot of the young, very young women, they're treating it like it's Instagram. And I'm just like... Um, yeah, all the apps are running together. They're all the same. I mean, well, they dropped the requirement of AT. I mean, that's that's yeah, that's that, that's so stupid. Fun. That's stupid as well. Because I mean, quite frankly, we they're trying to get clickers. Plus. They're trying to get listeners. Yeah, I mean, they're trying to get anything to to drum up the user base. So I mean, maybe uh, yeah. thirteen and have a YouTube channel, but you know. Yeah, to um, answer Rizzo's question before, sorry to interrupt, Mar uh, Marth. Um, yeah, Rizzo Stereo is the app that me and Marth first met on. It's a podcast yeah. app you could download on Android or. Um, the uh, Apple Store, and um, I know Rich used to be on it before, but I don't think he's done a show on that. Yeah, that's how I got on it. He hasn't. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been like a year and some change, and it would have been like with me as the last one. So that's that's kind of how I got started and getting my chops when it comes to having conversations and debates and stuff like that. So yeah, I've had a lot of fun exactly. with it over the years, but um, but who knows? Like I pop in every now and then. Like there was a big conversation today. Like yeah, I, I did see that. So. Yeah, yeah, I so did you, see that, and I was trying. I was trying to jump on, but the problem was you left well before they started properly playing my comments. And by the time oh, okay. my comments really got read, it was down to who was it? TBS and uh, Real Talk that was left. Yeah, and it was a bit annoying because, especially on the subject of Red Pill, Red Pill, I'm just like, look, guys, if you want to talk about Red Pill, you need me on there. You need you on there. You need yeah. Ray Arthur on That's there. I said, I texted Nor, and I was like, Nor, like you guys are doing the red pill talk with Ami. What the hell? He's like, Oh, come up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Like, like, that's that's annoying because I did see Nor come, yeah. Nor come back, who hadn't been on for a few weeks. Yeah, he's been. And on then I saw Red Pill, and I'm just like, Cool. And there was a spot open. Obviously, I hit join, 
but it didn't happen. And then it's just like, I'm just, I even said to him, like, look, guys, if you're going to talk about red pill, you need me on there because I'm very knowledgeable red pill in the history itself because I've known about it for like 12 odd years. You know, right. before the so-called Red Pill movie came out, I know you're recent adopter by comparison. Ray Arthur knows a lot about it. Yeah, he and, to, um, you but know, Ray's really big into the drama, man. Like he's big into the names and the drama. I'm just like, dude, I, I don't yeah. get down with the drama. I don't care about who's fighting, who's who's bickering about who came up with what quote or who's who came up with this fancy new analogy. It's just, whatever. oh yeah, like, for sure. Just, we don't get involved with all that. That's why, yeah, like, yeah, like, that's yeah. why Rich has always appealed to me because, like, he is like, I'm not about the drama. I'm not about this is middle school oh, yeah, sure, stuff, sure. arguing back and forth. It's just a waste of everybody's time. No, absolutely. Like, I mean, like for myself, obviously, I'm basically a nobody by comparison. But it's like, if I were to go on, let's say, Fresh and Fit in, I believe they're based in Florida, right? Near Florida, Miami, yeah, yeah, Miami, Miami, Florida. I think if I were to go on there, speaking with Myron and I forget the other guy's name, the other host, um, but I forget his name. Do apologize. You can correct me in the comments. Um, if I were speaking with both of them two, I think uh, they would appreciate me a lot with a lot of the knowledge I would give to them, especially with like talking about the history of feminism, giving the perspective from England, for instance, because I'm English, giving the perspective from theirs, perspective of like being from a college town, so I could give them a whole different perspective. But also, I think as well, they might appreciate me as well, not just for that, but also I could help them, you know, you know, get clicks, you know, get like clips going yeah. with like the shorts and TikToks right. and all that with like some of my witty takes. Because I know full well with those kind of shows, if you get invited on there, you know, you are a guest and you have to bring something to the content as to the listeners, especially if they're longtime listeners and there's huge and there's a huge bunch of them, you've got to bring something to it to make people think, no, that guy was good. Please have him more on. Yeah. You know, that's what you need. And uh, you know, that's why, like obviously, you've always appreciated my inputs. I think Richard's really uh, liked my inputs ever since the first time yeah. I came on. So uh and obviously I, you know, and um I have jokingly wondered if if he would be up for doing some sort of like uh like automotive podcast. You know, he's definitely considering it. Yeah, it's something that he uh, he's actually got something in the works. I don't want to give too much away, but like, yeah, there's a reason why probably, we're yeah. doing the there's a there's a there's a reason we started doing the um, we're gonna do like the ladies shows on on Mondays after this show because I think yeah. he's gonna try to do more of a um, car style podcast on a different night. And he just wanted to have he didn't want to have every night of the week be be taken up by a show and podcast. So that's that's coming soon. He's still working out some stuff, but. Um, yeah. For you petrol heads and you, you gearheads out there, stay tuned for, for some of that stuff. So, well, listen, man, I'll I got to start getting to wrap up. So, let yeah, me let no you worries, go man. and I'm going to start getting, and then uh, we'll catch up on stereo soon, I'm sure. No worries, man. You all take care and have all a good right. night. Yep. Be good, man. All right. All right, guys. A lot of fun tonight, man. A lot of fun, man. That's my buddy Kizzy. He's a good dude. I love chatting up with him and, and glad you guys stuck around. I know uh, we didn't have as many call ins as, as usual tonight, but. Again, let's let's do some quick housekeeping, guys. If you guys didn't catch this at the beginning of the show, uh, Rich is back next week. It's been my last night um, hosting for a while. It's been fun as hell. I've really enjoyed hanging out with you guys the last three Mondays. Um, you know, I, I've learned a ton from Rich, and, and I continue to learn from him as a mentee and, and as somebody in his community. And if you guys are ever interested in chatting more about the community, man, hit me up on Instagram. Like, side, right? I, I still can't get used to it. Hit me up on Instagram, man. Like. 1%, 10%, you know, we've got a couple of tiers in the community. Um, I'll, I'll have a conversation with you and kind of figure out where I think you fit. 
And um, there's never been a better time, man. We've, we've, we're getting together, you know, in a couple of weeks down in here in Florida for a meetup of a bunch of dudes. Uh, I've, I've leaked a small teaser that we're getting together. Um, you know, we're going to have a bigger style meetup come Toronto in the next couple of months. And so there's going to be, there, there's just never been a better time to join, man. If you're looking for a group of guys that are going to push you and, and you're looking to network in a business sense, if you're looking to learn more about how to navigate the world as a, as a guy trying to you know date, or maybe it's trying to date for the first time, or maybe it's dating after you've been divorced, or even if you're in a relationship or marriage and you're trying to uh, be around like-minded guys that, aren't you just going to feed you the same old stupid empty platitudes, like figure out what her love language is or happy wife, happy life or none of that stupid shit. So uh, get in, man. Um, shout out to Rich again for, for letting me do this the past couple of weeks. He could have easily just taken three weeks off and just not done the shows, but, and, and for everybody that came by and stuck around and, and left cool comments and the supers and everything like that, I, I see you guys in the chat. It means a lot. So um, I'd, I, I can't wait to be able to do this again in, in host, but um, so really quick next week, um, as far as I know, things may change. So again, subscribe to the channel so you guys can get those community notes and just be on the lookout, man, because that's the way he's going to communicate this stuff. Um, next week's show starting at seven o'clock, going from seven to eight thirty PM Eastern, take a 15 minute break. Then we're going to have our, you know, our basically relaunch of the ladies night podcast where Rich and I are on the pod. We'll have four or five girls coming on to talk about just everyday dating topics, maybe some things that we're seeing in the mainstream. Um, just to give you guys, you know, I like the fact that we're doing it remote or people can dial in from their house where they're not getting, you know, they're not in one small tiny corner of the world where we're really trying to give you guys a, a wide view of um, how women are no matter where you go. So, you know, hope you guys tune into that. It's not about red meat. It's not about dunking on chicks. It's not about, kicking bimbos out of the whatever, calling them stupid. Um, it's about real conversations between men and women and, and maybe some guys out there and some girls out there may learn a thing or two or maybe we'll challenge their thinking a little way and they'll, they'll take some value away from it. So I uh, hope you guys will come support. It's going to be on this channel. We're not doing a new channel or anything like that. But that'll start next week. And again, if you guys have any questions about anything, if you're looking to get on the show and not know how to do it or I'm not quite sure, but a couple of guys that have, have commented wondering how they call into the show, just let me know. I'll, I'll be willing to help out. Um, but with that said, man, yeah, man, this, is, this has been a lot of fun. Really appreciate you guys. Like I said, I'm going to run the, uh, the, out, the ad reel, the outro, and then uh, get out of here, man. But it's been fun. It's been cool. Everybody have a great night and uh, see you guys soon. All right, guys, if you enjoyed that podcast, make sure you visit my website at richcooper.ca to learn more about my courses, my book, The Unplugged Alpha, community, or booking me for private coaching. Also, if you are a Canadian with $15,000 or more of credit card debt and what you are doing right now isn't paying off the balances, then visit totaldebtfreedom.ca and hit get a free quote to see if you qualify to settle your credit card debt for less than you owe today over the next 48 months. Make sure you check out the top pinned comment on YouTube for all the links mentioned during the show. Peace.